Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute and a fellow with the International Leadership Association. This podcast is part of a series hosted in conjunction with the International Leadership Association as part of their 2020 Global Leadership Conference, focusing on leading at the edge. At the Innovative Leadership Institute, we help leaders elevate the quality of their leadership and co-create the thriving future they seek. We assist them in navigating the disruptive trends they're facing, developing strategies to elevate themselves and their organizations to continually meet the challenges they face. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the content. Today's show features Hella Banks-Jorgensen, the CEO of Competent Boards, and we are talking about future boardroom competencies. So Hella Banks-Jorgensen is the CEO of Competent Boards that offers the global online environment, social, and governance, ESG, Competent Board Certification Program with a faculty of over 100 renowned international board members, executives, and experts. Ella has written numerous thought leadership pieces, is a keynote speaker, and is interviewed by global media outlets. So during the last year, we've seen dramatic change, and futurist John Peterson tells us we'll see more change in the next decade than we've seen over human history. So even if he is off by a lot, he is directionally correct, and we need to prepare board members to lead through the range of complex changes the likes of which they have not seen before. So Hella joins me today to discuss the future boardroom competency report and overall her perspective on ESG board certification and the work she's doing to ensure that board members are prepared. So Hella, thank you so much for joining us. What do you want to tell our listeners about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Maureen. It is a pleasure to join you. And I can say I've worked in this so-called ESG space for 30 years and now bringing this insight to the boardrooms, been doing that for a long time as well, but really to ensure that we have the boardroom have the insight to provide the oversight, but also the foresight, as you were just saying, that we so much need especially right now in in the boardrooms and and executive suites all over the world. So you mentioned in our prior conversation something about Davos and where did this latest set of initiatives come from? It was actually straightforward. You can say they're of all inventions. I was frustrated, uh, Maureen. I was frustrated by, by, I guess, the lack of sustainability and, and climate insight, as I just said, in the boardroom. And I saw the lack of these ESG competences, so as you said, the lack of environmental, social governance inside in the boardroom, 
leading to frustrated employees, lost business opportunities, growing reputational risk, and and basically value destruction for the company and its stakeholders. And as a shareholder, um, and and so are you, so uh, we all, I saw a lack of oversight of some of the most material risk and opportunities facing businesses that could impact my retirement savings, your retirement savings. So so I guess I, I've seen the environmental and social risk and, and opportunities increase over the past 30 years, where I have advised many of the world's largest companies. And I found that the right ESG, and again, environmental social governance, competences at the top make it much easier to, I guess, translate environmental and social care to financial results and to make a purposeful culture in the company stick. And I've seen that good governance and oversight and this structure can move an environmental or social initiative that most companies have had for many, many years. But if you don't have the governance, you need to move from this initiative as a project to an integrated value-creating process. So long story short, I I asked the chair of Unilever at that point, Michael Tresco, and at that point, the CEO, Paul Pullman, and a handful of other global board chairs and and CEOs and investors and, and other experts that I had worked with these past 30 years to help me create an ESG education program that was aimed at the board of directors and executives, but also investors. And I guess I was happy, all the global leaders I asked, they said, yes. And and we got to start this, what I'm almost going to say, the most rewarding project I have ever taken on. As you mentioned, I mean, we launched in Davos during the World Economic Forum. That's big. But Perhaps even bigger, we changing minds and hearts for, for a better future and, and exponentially impacting how the, the, the world's leaders transform our society for the better. It's quite remarkable feeling. And, and, and to hear the board members that been through the program tell me that the ESG Competent Board Certificate Program have given them you know, confidence to really bring these things up in the boardroom to help transform their companies to be companies of the future. I mean, quite incredible for me. So so I guess the value that they create for themselves and the companies, those who've been through the program and, and their stakeholders, I guess I can't. I'm, I'm proud of it. And, and I'm proud that we now have, you know, 100 global leaders as part of our faculty, as you said, educating current and, and, and future board members. And we started the fifth cohort last month, and now we have over 100 board members and executives going through the program right now. And the next program already having having people signing up. So I know that so much is happening. And, and I guess in, in, in short, I've combined my 30 years of, of ESG experience with the insight and, and expertise of, of the many global leaders I've had the opportunity to work with. And I guess I should say that that we didn't use 
to have the term ESG 30 years ago when that was the time where I created the first green account in, in the world and, and I helped the EU with within directives called non-financial reporting and got to design the world's first, I guess, holistic supply chain and, and designed the worst, world's first uh, integrated report. So at that point, we called ESG factors, as I just said, non-financial factors or CSR or health and safety, et cetera. And, and so this, this term ESG nowadays, it's used to describe the material factors that they include in, in their process to identify, I guess, material risk and, and, and growth opportunities for, for companies. So I love, one, hearing the history of how this came about and more about your career. And for listeners who don't get to see Hilla's face, just the smile and the delight in her ability to make an impact in the world that is dramatic. It's beautiful to see. And I am excited about starting the program in the next, hopefully, week. So as listeners who have listened to my evolution over time, I'm delighted to share what I am focusing on in my own career by introducing Hella. And so let's shift now to the Competent Board's report. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what is the report? Why did you do it? Give us a little bit of background. Happy to do so. Maria, I'm just thinking, you know, I've, I've been saying ESG for a while. Does it make sense just to let everyone know? Because I know that some go like, what is ESG? Even though we said environment, social governance. Does it make sense just to kind of like make sure we're all on the same page and understand what, what we mean by it? Yes, thank you. And I also heard you say why it matters, but maybe again, the encapsulated looking at all stakeholders, not just stockholders, drives financial bottom line and helps across the ecosystem capture the costs to the ecosystem, world, people, ecology, that we didn't previously quantify, but that that as large companies, as governments, we, we extract more than we put in. We use more than our earth can regenerate, and we need to find a way to quantify and manage those previously unmanaged costs to our world. So yes, please. Well, I, I just find often that, you know, giving the ABC of, of ESG um, it, it kind of like to ensure that we all know what we're talking about. And it is not as complicated as some might think. Um, so so maybe I should just kind of like say, well, again, E is, is environment, S is social, G is governance. When we say environment, and it covers, for example, the, the use of energy, the use of water resources. So what we as, as companies and, and households use to, to in our daily life, but to produce the goods and the services, it covers the pollution that the business and the products create and, and how climate change, one of the words we're talking about a lot at the moment, climate change, but also diversity crisis impact the stakeholders, but also, of course, the business. Or I guess sometimes I say in more basic terms, it's about do you care about your impact on nature and the environment that provide you with clean air, water and food? Are you prepared for the impact of climate change, biodiversity loss, 
on your business? Or I guess some, some will say to cut to the chase, do you make your money by improving or exploiting nature? And the new word that, that we also using, and sorry, there's so many words in this, but that's regenerative business. You know, are you are you kind of like having a business process that ensure regenerative businesses. Is that also the circular economy? The circular economy comes into that, right? So we don't we don't take more than 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 we we put back, if you can put it like that. But actually, support support life in in instead of uh, of of the opposite, and and that that brings us a little bit into the S, so the social. And that's where you have your stakeholder relations. That's where you have health and safety. That's where you have mental health, human rights issues in, in the full value chain, but also responsible use of data, privacy, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, your talent management, your human capital, your product ethics, employee engagement, or, or perhaps in the same way as I said before, you know, do you care about the health and well-being of your stakeholders? Do you make your money by improving or exploiting people's well-being? And that's where, you know, all of those things have not been going on companies for a long, long time. And, and we all know about the reputational impact, etc. Where the governance comes in is that that is kind of like when we look at the board of directors, the composition of that board of directors, the business ethics, you know, are we discussing our lobbying position? You know, do we pay to something and say the opposite? Our ESG integration oversight, do, do compensation, culture, how you govern and report on, on, on the progress of all of these things. And, and I think also governance, and, and I think this is why I feel it's important, it, it will ensure that you focus on the material ENS, so environmental and social matters. It will ensure that you report in a trustworthy way, and it will make change stick. And, and I guess, you know, it, it will move the environmental and social initiative from this a project to becoming integrated value creating processes. I hope that kind of like was level setting a little bit and making sure we all on the same page. Thank you. I think that's really helpful. And do you want to say any more about why this matters before we jump into the board report? Yeah, happy to do that and if, if it, why it matters. Well, how come that it does not matter, right? I mean, it, 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 many companies are larger than countries and, and they have supply chains that cover the world and, and many have products that's being sold worldwide, products that are impacting lives and the environment in a good or a bad way. And like it or not, we live in an interconnected world. We live in a world where Pollution does not respect borders, same way as, as, as you know, COVID-19 um, and where a, a picture of human rights abuse can travel the world in a second. And I, I believe and I know that more and more people care about how companies behave. And I'm sure, Maureen, you, you know, your retirement funds are probably invested in a lot of companies. So whether you can look at it as to, I want to optimize my savings and therefore making sure that we have the right oversight, or you look at it to ensure that your children, your grandchildren will be able to 
live a healthy life. I mean, whatever you do, you would want to ensure that you hold the companies and the boards accountable for making informed decisions. And I guess that's the problem. I mean, that's um, coming to, to the board report in, in, in a second. But, but many boards are not being informed and therefore clearly have the difficulties providing the oversight that both the stakeholders and the shareholders they expect. And I guess that's, that's why there is such a demand for, well, the ESG competent board members right now. Uh, and if, if you look at the, the world's largest asset managers like BlackRock, I guess they have what? Over 7 trillion US dollar under management. They have made climate change central to their investment strategy for 2021. But they also expect companies to not only disclose a plan for uh, the transition to this lower carbon economy we are talking so much about, but also to improve racial and gender diversity to understand who are their the key stakeholders, what are their business interests really, what's the purpose? And they, they have also said, BlackRock, but also many of the others, that they will vote against board members if they don't see progress. That to me is a very significant signal as I, you know, I believe BlackRock and many of the others, they have such a substantial stake in most of the companies around the world. That's a huge impact. It's also a huge responsibility. So, so these many investors and, and, and proxy advisors that call for board members to become ESG competent, in, clearly I'm, I'm happy about it. And, and, and I think that you'll see that the ESG competent board certificate program and, and the global competent board's designation mentioned in proxy statements and board bios, et cetera, going forward to send that signal to the investors, to stakeholders, to asset managers, to proxy advisors, that here are board members that actually have an understanding of these issues and therefore understanding of how to steward this company and bring it forward not only in the short term and short term, you know, financial, uh, but also long term, and have the ability to really drive a company to be successful. It, one of the things I really like because I am in a lot of conversations where we're talking about DE and I and different social pieces and and the tension between we have to take draconian measures to fix something versus the executives who often really want to do something, but they're unsure what, and they're not willing to turn their organization on its head to address the issues. And so by addressing it in the boardroom, and I've heard, and I'm sure you do as well, some incredibly dramatic recommendations. And what I hear you saying is, we're going to do what makes sense for the range of stakeholders, not one group or another group but environmental, social, and also economic. We're not going to make decisions that don't also drive organizational health. At the end of the day, well, you can do all of these things, but if you can't, if you can't pay your employees, what good is it? You need to be sustainable, right? And sustainable means that both have the, the financial means, but at the same time, 
care. So it's kind of like I've said a few times, you know, cash is still king, but care is the queen. If you do not care about your employees, if you do not care about your customers, if you do not care about all the other stakeholders, you will lose the loyalty, I believe, from them. And you will not be able to have the cash in the future. And the other thing is, frankly, well, you can have all the cash in the world, but if the world do not succeed, you know, you don't want to sit there with all, all your money but can't really use them for anything or look at a burning world, right? And I think especially perhaps the younger generation, Maureen, should we say we also the younger generation? But, but <laughs> Relative to what? <laughs> those that are younger than us, perhaps even more, are really, they want to work, they want to use products, etc., that they believe in. They don't want to leave their values before they go into the workplace. They want to live the values. They want to understand. They want to be proud of the company. And hey, don't we all want to have employees being proud of our companies? Shouldn't board members also be proud of the companies? Of course they should, right? Well, and the reason I bring bring up the balance across stakeholders is I'm sure some folks are listening who are saying, you people are just going too far. And I want to respond to that voice and point out, I guess, that you are really looking at balancing across all stakeholders because both of us want to retire someday and not live on cat food. We also need to be pragmatic, right? And and so I think the company, the board of directors, needs to identify who are their most material stakeholders and then need to balance out of that. If I don't think that that's the right balance, well, that's my choice then. I don't want to work there. I don't want to buy the products. I don't want to invest in them. But I think the transparency of putting it out there so that others can can decide. And it's not as easy as it is because, frankly, Maureen, if we say, well, you need to do what every stakeholder in the world tells you to do, well, then that's impossible, right? So leadership is about leading and they need, they being the leaders, you need to identify who are the most material stakeholders, what are the most material issues, and then be true and, and, and report on that. And that's, that's, the, that's the questions where you also start asking, you know, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of, of, of the organization? But also what is the purpose of of the board of directors. Beautiful. So on that note, we're going to go on break and come back and talk about the content of the recent report. We will be right back. And I invite you as our listeners while we're on break to think about if you have not heard of ESG before, where does this fit in your sense of what is needed for organizations? Because I think many of the people who choose to listen to this are in fact grappling with that range of issues in one way or another. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to info at Innovative Leadership Institute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. We are with Hella Banks-Jorgensen and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about ESG board competencies and Hella's recent research on specifically which competencies are required for competent boards to navigate the challenges we're facing. So would you tell us about the report, how it came about, and then more specifically, I want to dive into the details. Indeed. As we discussed before the break, been working on companies and how do we ensure that the board of directors have the competences to oversee these ESG, environmental, social governance matters. But I started to say, well, one thing is to have the competences for that, but what what are the competences the future boardroom should look at? You know, normally we have the the, the boardroom matrix, the, the skills matrix. But what are the real competences? Perhaps not only those, you know, yes, I can understand a, a PL, I can read read the income statement, I can read the balance sheet, but also some of these other more personal traits that seems to be changing for what we need what we need in the boardroom. And so so we started to kind of like look into what does good governance look like? What is it? And, and I think you started, Maureen, and you start in terms of saying, well, so much is changing. There is a sense of urgency surrounding these environmental, social, but also the more humanitarian problems. And that's leading to this social pressure on the board of directors to take action. And it seems like we, therefore, was kind of like, we need board of directors to upgrade their, their competences, bring new competences into the boardroom. And 
again, knowing that all of these ESG competent board members that we have through the program are in demand, I just saw that we, we needed to figure out what should this look like. And so we went out and, and asked all of our 100 global leaders on their view on four questions. And I'll come back to those four questions. And we also asked other global leaders, and it's, it's quite fascinating to, to have a, you know, all of these fantastic, basically the, the who's who within global uh, leadership, coming back to you and say, yeah, we need different kind of competences. Maybe we have them, but here are some of the competences we really need to ensure that we have and that so that we understand, I guess, all the capitals that companies are impacting and the outcome so that the board of directors understand the full breadth and depth. And, and you can say, you know, you understand a financial PNL or, or income statement. But do you understand the externalities that are not included in financials? Do you have a transformational mindset? Are you able to read an integrated report and understand how a company is impacting and being impacted by its surroundings? And I think that was some of the things that kind of like got us to say, let's try to get some insight from all of these global leaders. We basically said, reach out to, to all of these global leaders and we asked four questions. The first question was, what does stewardship in the 21st century look like? Then what does a future prepared board member look like? Then what new competences are or should be demanded of, of board members? And what are the personal traits? What are the qualities? What are the diverse perspectives that's really needed in the boardroom? And we got, as I said, all of this insight and we started to say, okay, how, how do we put this out and like X percent thinks that, you know, being cor courageous. Oh, does that mean that the rest of the, the do not mean that that is important, etc. So we, we dropped all the nice graphics in terms of percentages, but instead got to graphics that was more infographics where we did word clouds. And, and we ended up doing, you know, four different word clouds where stewardship in the 21st century was basically the world map with a person in the middle. And then where we had three other symbols that I'll come back to, one being the brain of this person, one being the heart, and one being the hand kind of like in terms of, of action. And then we kind of like looked at all of these issues that needed to be connected. And I wish all your listeners could, could see this and hopefully they will download the report. But purpose is kind of like one of the things that is in the middle of all of this is transparency, it's better society, it's accountability, it's relationships, it's community, it's really understanding the world we are living in. So stewardship in the 21st century is not only about being stewards of the, you know, as I said, the balance sheet, but being stewards of all of this capitals of the company. Put a huge risk and huge opportunity on the, the, the shoulders of these board members. 
And and that brings me then to kind of like what what does the next question we ask? What does a future prepared board member look like? And that's where we 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 put this brain out. And when we then looked at the brain of of this board member, one of the things that came in there was future prepared. It was an open listener, adaptive, have being driven by strategy and purpose, have the ability to prioritize, being collaborative, being emotional intelligent. And that is emotional intelligence is the thing I hear more and more. And it, clearly here during the pandemic, we have really seen that the leaders that understand to be emotional intelligent, those that care, they also have the loyalty of society at large. It's also, you know, culture-driven, long-term focus, integrity, and awareness and engagement, transparency and, and accountability. That's one that I thought was really helpful because we see so often, especially from our next generation, the idea of transparency and accountability because they inherit what we create. Yeah, and I think I mean, accountability, trust, right? Trust is something we that that's so dear, and and I think it's the currency. Mm-hmm. If people don't trust you, and it's really difficult to, in this world where you have fake news and you have all of this, so that's why you know having these relationship with your community, having the relationship with your stakeholders, really can help you. So one of the others, and I don't, I don't think I heard you say it yet, was integrity was on that list, and that. The foundation of trust. Correct. And integrity is on that list. So yes, that, that is also, of course, essential that, that if you don't have your integrity. And, and that's also where, if you can think about it from, from a boardroom perspective, you, know, you need to have the integrity. You need to ask the, you can call it the stupid questions, or, or, but, or I would call it the smart questions, because your job is to ask questions as a board member, right? Your job is to understand the answers. Your job is to have the oversight and and really understand the subject matter, but do it with integrity, right? So yes, that is um, another one of the the very important, but uh, uh, the reason again, why we we didn't put up like 20%, 40%, 60% was because it's not, this is not that, Oh, you know, integrity comes on this part of the list. So it's kind of like all of it. And you need to, you need to look at it on. And I believe that boardrooms need to go in and look at this and say, okay, might not be everyone in the boardroom say, yeah, I have emotional intelligence. Then you might want to say, how do we ensure that we're not missing the boat on some of this? So once we go through all of them, it'll be curious because I think you hit on something that's really important. Everyone won't have all of them. That we expect all of them to have integrity. We expect all of them to act with accountability and courage. But people will vary on their level of skill in some of the other areas. Yeah, that's what diversity also is about, right? If we, if we were all coming in with exactly the same, you only needed one person in that boardroom, right? So that's why another thing where we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, really to have the courage also to invite different viewpoints in into the boardroom, but also have the integrity and respectful discussion of these matters. I, I think that's 
That's so so important, and that perhaps where you know the, the, the next one we had what what new competences are or, or should be demanded of board members. That's the hand, yes. Uh, so Maureen was just signaling a hand, and I was like, okay, are you want to you want to <laughs> say something? <laughs> so so yes, um, that that's the hand. Again, if your listeners have the report, they they will see this hand where it does say ability to challenge education experience, transformational leadership skills, technology and cybersecurity competence, being a sense maker, having knowledge about supply chain, so being supply chain competent, ESG competent, stakeholder focused, high standard of ethics, SDG competent, SDG will be the sustainable development goals. So what I call the 17 biggest pain points in the world that the whole world came together in 2015 and say, this is what we need to achieve by 2030. We have a few years back. There's a lot, lot to do. And, and climate competent, another thing we are discussing, and we have the, the, the COP coming up and where, where we have global leaders discussing what most think about is the climate deal where, where we said, okay, keep the world under one and a half degree Celsius in terms of, of rising temperatures. A lot of work being put into that and there needs to be a lot of work put into that. So that's where governance, that's where you know sustainable leadership, long-term businesses come, come into play. And that was where you also had transformational leadership. Yes, yes, exactly. That is the, that's where you also have the transformational leadership. So think about this, like the reason why we put it as a hand is kind of like, these are these are skills, right? These are some skills. I think most most of them you will say, you know, being ESG competent, I can teach you that. Being SDG competent, I can teach you that. You know, high standards for ethic. I hope that your mother and your your <laughs> father or others taught you that, right? It's a kind of like it's it's a given if you're in the boardroom. I hope mm-hmm. that that you have a high standard for ethics. But nevertheless, many of the leaders that we asked about what what does this look like say that that is a demand. So think about if, if that is something that, that you are, or, or others are also not only talking about, but, but practicing. Oh, so now let's move to the heart. In terms of the heart, what are the personal traits, the qualities and diverse perspectives that's needed in the boardroom? And yes, we mark that with the heart. And Diversity is right in the middle. The inclusive and committed to diversity and equity is so important. We have uh, the Women's International Day coming up. We have had the Black History Month, etc. I mean, these are not things that are just in a month or a day. These are things that are all year round. And we need to have, and I think everyone that, that we surveyed were like, Diversity, equity, inclusion is important also for the benefit of the corporation, right? I mean, this is not just, oh, tick mark. Yes, we have that. This is really important. Courage, curious, really ask those questions. Entrepreneurship was a very interesting term that I found came up clearly. Now being an entrepreneur after a long career, not being an entrepreneur was fascinating because I think what what many of these global leaders are saying is we need people that can think out of the box. We need non-linear thinkers. We are faced with so many new challenges all the time. 
And we need to have that entrepreneurship mentality of everything is possible and, and the agility to do it. And the other thing was being forthrightness and, and having the innovative, being creative, having the empathy. Uh, empathy. <laughs> empathy, being humble, being wise, but also being pragmatic. And I think that is one of the things that's important for me, that this is not just, okay, that's too much. Let's be pragmatic, right? Let's really see how can we go far together instead of kind of like saying we need to be 190% on, on one of these things because then we're not going to reach all of them. So so for me, that that's important as well. Long-term leadership, humility, many of things in here. I really liked the combination of humble, pragmatic, and wise. Mm-hmm. That if I think about how do I want to show up or what essence do I want the people with whom I am working to make decisions, wisdom is certainly pulling from their range of experiences over time. And then how that kind of, I'm thinking almost of coal to diamonds that taking all of those experiences and compressing them, and it seems like what comes out if that process works is the diamond of a human is compassionate, wise, humble, pragmatic. Yeah, and and, and as one of the leaders is saying, you know, what would you do if this was your your child? You know, if the companies were your child, you know, how would you look at different things? And and I think there's kind of like very simple way of of looking at it. Then you're teaching the competent boards program. How do you teach people these competencies? Because this is a lot to take in. And to your point, some of it is what we learn from our parents. Some of it is what you teach in a program. And let's do a short on that because I want to make sure people, if they didn't download the report from the blog, that they know where to find it. Definitely. And and, and you can say the ESG Composite Board Certificate Program, that are more focused on these environmental social governance matters. And, and clearly all of the other things we just talked about are, are in play, right? And And I think what I'm hearing is that from all of those that's been through the program, that it is this transformational mindset, putting all the dots together that they're learning. I would say that that's kind of like, we have 12 different strategic sessions where you go in and really dive in so that you as a board member or as an executive have the insight, have the confidence to provide the oversight and, and as I say, foresight as well. We have actually started the race to the top and launched what we call top 100 ESG competent boards and top 100 ESG competent board members. If I may, I would love to ask all of you listening to nominate a company's board or an individual board member to be part of this top 100 ESG competent boards or top 100 ESG competent board members. I believe that if we make this a race to the top and showcase all of these people that are doing good things, and it need not be on every single parameter, but really those in those that you know and you say, I trust, 
please nominate them. And then I think you asked me, Maureen, in terms of, of the report, where, where you can find the report. First, before we go to that, how would they nominate them? Do they email you? In the report, if they download the report, in that report, there's actually a link where you can then go in and nominate. You can also go in and say, you know what, I feel that there's something missing here in all of these competences that, that you put in here. I think you also should have whatever. And we are collecting that at the moment. None of us have the answers to all of these things. So please also, you know, if you say there's something I feel is missing on your list, send that in to us and we will include it on the next list. And do also go in and, and nominate. And you find that in the report that you can download. And so where would they go to download the report? They would go to our website, which would be www and then competent boards with an S at the end and .com. And that's also where you, by the way, can find the ESG Competent Board Certificate Program and see the testimonials and, and the feedback from the many board members and executives who have now achieved the, the, the Global Competent Board designation and, and the ESG Competent Board Certificate. And we'll also have that on our blog and our newsletter. So if you missed Hella explaining it, well, it's www.competentboards.com and we will post that in the blog. And I really do encourage people to download it if you are interested in board competencies, if you are running a board, if you're considering joining a board, or if you're leading a company, these are also the same competencies that our executives should be considering. And I believe you also run a program for executives. I know this is not a commercial paid program, but <laughs> but you also do. I do. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. So we need to sign off now. Thank you, Hella, so much for sharing your report, all of the work you're doing to move the ESG board competency construct forward, because it really will impact how, as you've said, corporations are much larger than countries in some cases, and how they behave matters to our long-term physical health as well as our financial health. So thank you for the work you're doing there and for sharing all of your information with our guests. Well, and thank you so much for all the work you're doing. This, this was fun. Thank you for investing your precious time with us today. We're delighted to share the wisdom from the International Leadership Association 2020 Global Leadership Conference, Leading at the Edge. We encourage you to join for additional conversations. Please bookmark this podcast, subscribe, like it, share it with your friends and colleagues. Most importantly, thank you for focusing on elevating your own leadership and making an impact in the world today. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.